and welcome to the Headlines podcast. It's the week ending Sunday, March 1st, 2020. I'm Chloe Laversuch and I'm here to bring you some of the interesting and quirky stories making the headlines in local and regional newspapers this week. It's been a week when the impact of the coronavirus outbreak has been dominating the headlines in local newspapers and national news, as the number of confirmed cases in the UK rises to 35. And there's talk of closing schools, calling off sporting events, and asking people to work from home. Here is a selection of some of the headlines in local newspapers this week on coronavirus coverage, many of which have proven to be among the most read stories. In the Worcester News, guests avoid Worcester fundraiser after hearing guest speaker Mike Tyndall had just returned from coronavirus hit Northern Italy. In the Southern Daily Echo, Southampton ship turned away from port over deadly virus fears. In the Bournemouth Echo, another school taking precautionary measures as more students and staff self-isolate. And in the Bucks Free Press, I'm staying optimistic. Coronavirus patient speaks out in first interview from inside quarantine. And it's also been a week of budget stories for anyone who reports on local councils, local democracy reporters, as we're set to see council tax rises across the country. But in this week's episode of the podcast, We'll be hearing about the burglars who stopped to feed a llama during a nighttime raid on a tourist attraction. A man who spent two years building a ship from matchsticks because he wanted to do something more constructive with his time during Brexit coverage. And the barber who's using haircuts to help tackle stigma around men's mental health issues. Links to all of the stories featured in this episode can be found in the description or on our Twitter page, at the Headlines Pod. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do go out and buy your local newspaper. So, let's get on with the podcast. A bin man found two children sleeping inside a bin he was about to empty into a wagon and said he's seen more and more people sleeping or sheltering inside bins. The story appeared in the Daily Post in Wales by journalist Jamie Louise Hudspeth. It says Dave Pine, who's worked for a waste company for the past 16 years, was emptying a recycling bin in Wrexham when he found two young children asleep inside it. He told the paper they were a boy and a girl, aged only about nine or ten years old. And according to the article, he said, I woke them up and they were so scared they jumped out and ran off. I reported it to social services, but I never heard anything back. Waste company Biffa revealed there's been an increase in the number of rough sleepers using bins to shelter. There were 109 near misses or incidents where people were sleeping inside or near Biffa's bins, recorded in just nine months last year, according to the report. And at least seven people have been killed in the last five years because they were sleeping in bins, according to a health and safety executive. Mr Pine told the paper he encourages everybody he works with to check the bins before they empty them, saying you'd never forgive yourself if you didn't and there was a person inside. He said that once a bin is emptied into the truck, it's too late. There is a blade inside that cuts through the rubbish and a person would be crushed. A barber is offering therapy to customers with mental health problems while they have their hair cut. The story appears in Run Corner Witness World by reporter Emma Downey. In a bid to tackle the stigma around depression and mental illness among men, Odin Swan told the paper he is offering one-on-one chats in his small barbershop, which has just one chair. He said he wants to encourage people to open up in a safe space. 
The article says he's completed training to help him identify mental health issues, and he's already been able to refer several customers to professional help. Odin got the idea for his unique barbershop when he became homeless after the breakdown of a relationship, according to the paper. It says his luck eventually turned around after he did some mobile barbering. He told the paper that he's qualified to recognise and refer people to the relevant services should they need it. He said, most of the time, loneliness is the major factor. Having a place to go free from discrimination helps no end. A council has banned balloons and lanterns from being released en masse at events to protect the environment. That's according to an article by local democracy reporter Steph Braun in the Gazette in Renfrewshire. The ban means mass balloon or lantern releases cannot take place on council land or at council-backed events, and the paper says 20 other local authorities in Scotland have already put a stop to balloon and lantern releases. At a meeting, the paper says, councillor Jacqueline Cameron said there are alternatives for people wanting to remember someone. According to the paper, she said, for example, it's quite a spectacular sight when people float flowers down a river in memory of someone, or you can write something on wish paper and set it on fire. Another councillor was worried about the impact on the Chinese community in the town, saying lanterns are an important part of Chinese culture. According to the article, councillor Eileen McCartan said, I wonder if we could get officers to contact them to ensure we're not causing gross offence. A woman who was a really big fan of her local BBC radio station was found dead after a tip-off from the station's worried newsreader. The story is by Cornwall Live journalist Lee Trewila. It says a regular listener, known as Clara from Bude, was a big fan of BBC Radio Cornwall and would phone in at 8.10am every Saturday and Sunday morning to speak to newsreader Joanna Twist. The presenters would chat to Clara, who did not have any family in the UK but they became worried when she stopped phoning. Presenter Donna Birrell said Clara used to send the team five pounds for biscuits, which isn't allowed apparently, but they made an exception for Clara, and that they used to help her with medical letters, and the weatherman even used to give her a personalised forecast for the next few days. But after Joe got back from holiday and there were no phone calls from Clara, and she couldn't get in touch with her, she phoned the police, according to the paper. Sadly, the police discovered Clara dead in her home. According to the article, Donna said, newsreader Joe and colleague Jack attended Clara's funeral and were the only people there apart from her stepson and his wife and the funeral directors. She said, as Clara's body was lowered into the ground on a blustery hillside in North Cornwall, Jack played Dusty Springfield on his mobile phone. Dusty had often been requested on the radio by Clara. The Bristol Post named and shamed people posting abusive comments about climate activist Greta Thunberg on its websites last week. The story by Tristan Korg details how media covered Miss Thunberg's visit to Bristol. And the article says every story about the visit was followed by hundreds, sometimes thousands of comments. The paper says many questioned climate science, the rights of school children to go on strike, young people's use of technology, and anger about disruption caused by road closures planned for the rally. But the most fury? That was reserved for Greta Thunberg herself. The paper says the comments were published day and night, 
quicker and in greater volume than they could possibly be moderated. And that some people, shockingly, appeared to call for people to take action against the 17-year-old Miss Thunberg or her supporters. The paper says those who appeared to make suggestions of violence were very often parents and grandparents themselves. Some had even called for people on social media to be kind following the death of TV presenter Caroline Flack. The article goes on to name and shame what it said was just a handful of the most shopping, shocking commenters. Journalists have taken screenshots of the comments made by these individuals and of their Facebook profiles and published them as part of the story, which can be found at bristolpost.co.uk. And now for a slightly lighter story. Two burglars who targeted a tourist attraction during a nighttime raid stopped to feed a llama called Larry. This story is from the South Wales Argus by journalist Nicholas Thomas. The burglars were spotted on CCTV feeding the llama at Raglan Farm Park in Monmouthshire. They had broken in and stolen the power tools. And park owner Gareth Williams said they were at the site for about 40 minutes, during which time they stopped to feed carrots to Larry. The pictures with this story are pretty funny, but the story says the burglars caused quite a lot of damage and Gwent police are appealing for anyone who recognises the men to get in touch. An eight-year-old girl found a Bronze Age axe when she used a metal detector for the first time. Anyone who's a fan of brilliant TV series The Detectorists will instantly be picturing how annoyed this story would make the Danebury Metal Detecting Club. The story is by chief reporter Chris Yandel in the Southern Daily Echo. The paper says Ava Bray, from Hampshire, had only just been handed the detector and discovered the ancient object only seconds later. She and her nine-year-old brother are now waiting to hear if they'll be allowed to keep the axe. According to the article, they were with their grandfather, Tony Bray, a member of the National Council of Metal Detecting. He told the paper, We were very lucky. Some people with metal detectors can spend a lifetime searching and never find anything like that. He said he doesn't think the axe is worth a lot of money, but that it is rare to find one in such good condition. And now it's led Ava to study Bronze Age history so that she can find out how it was made and where it comes from, what it was used for. The find had, the find had to be reported to Dorset's find, finds liaison officer, who said they will ask the treasure registrar at the British Museum if the youngsters can keep their treasure. A man has spent two years building a matchstick model of a ship because he said he wanted to do something more constructive with his time than follow Brexit coverage. This is another story from the Southern Daily Echo, this time by journalist Celine Byford. She says retired oil rig worker David Reynolds from Southampton has built a replica of the Mayflower. He used matchsticks held together by yarn, PVA glue and cord. The 61-year-old told the newspaper he's taken a keen interest in politics. But he said, I seem to have spent countless hours glued to the TV watching the Brexit debate and thought maybe I was just wasting my life and decided to do something slightly more constructive at the same time. Apparently the model took more than 900 hours to build and over 70,000 recycled matches. According to the paper, he created the Matchstick Mayflower to mark this year's 400th anniversary of the Mayflower's departure from Southampton to Europe. 
and he told a journalist that as he has been pointlessly watching and listening to many hours of Brexit discussion on TV, he has been positively gluing matches. David is already a record holder. His North Sea oil platform replica made it into the Guinness World Records as the largest matchstick model in 2009. And that's everything for this week. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, thank you to my friend Dan Bean for his help and support. If you're interested in getting involved by sharing interesting local news stories from the week or you just want to say hi, you can get in touch through Twitter at The Headlines Pod. Thanks so much again for listening and I hope you'll be back for more next week. Bye.